Best friends Marie and Alex decide to spend a quiet weekend at Alex's parents' secluded farmhouse. But on the night of the arrival, the girl's idyllic getaway turns into an endless night of horror. Tell your best friend you love him in the weirdest way possible, because we're reviewing High Tension. and Screamers, a production of Slasher Sports. Find us on Facebook and the Gram at Slasher Sports Media, on Twitter at Slasher Sports, on YouTube and TikTok as well. We're trying to keep you entertained, but you know I can't do it alone. I've got a whole posse riding with me, so let me go ahead and introduce my co-host. She is an adult lady. She is Final Girl Casey. Hi there. Hello. High tension. I am still absolutely delighted that you chose this movie. Uh, one of my favorites, and it was definitely fun to rewatch. He is every schoolgirl's dream and every mother's nightmare. He is the Memphis Menace, Rick Sims. What's up? Shut up, Rick. I'm already tired of you, okay? <laughs> you, ca- you came into this chat just firing all cylinders, and now I'm done. But... I am. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's not forget the godfather of droll, James Brown. Yeah, yeah. James, <laughs> you didn't sound very optimistic last week when I chose this movie. And you texted me right after you finished watching. And you said, well, Bill, I hope you're proud of yourself. I don't know what that means, but I'm really looking forward to finding out. Because, you know, look, on top of this film being simply fucking awesome, it was either nominated or it won several awards across this flat planet. I'm talking about the Amsterdam Fantastic Feel... Oh, God, how do I say this? Oh, the English version. Okay, the Amsterdam Fantastic Film Festival. It was nominated for the Grand Prize of European Fantasy Film in Gold. Mouthful. But for one of our favorites, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, it won uh, for a Best Actress. Cecile DeFrance won Best Actress, and it was nominated for Best Makeup or Creature Effects. The Golden Schmoes it won the Golden, the Golden Trailing Awards, the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards, the Scream Awards. It was all over the place. But let's go ahead and jump into some of the statistics, I guess. Rick, give us a rundown, man. All right, uh, so High Tension, uh, also known in French as Haute Tension. Um, it was actually filmed in Romania the whole time. It wasn't even filmed in France. Um, it came out in uh, June 12th, uh, 2005. Uh, budget, this is euros, was 2,200,000 euros. Um, opening weekend in U.S. and Canada, 1,897,000. Gross worldwide, over 6 million. Um, it's rated R. It's an hour and 31 minutes. Um, it's a horror, obviously. Uh, but it was originally called Switchblade Romance. Um, and 
Uh, one tagline is uh, for it. Actually, well, there's a couple, but one of them could be uh, Love Hurts. Uh, someone is hunting everyone around here. Um, some of the actors and actresses, I'm going to butcher the names, so please forgive me. Um, Marie is played by Cécile de France. Um, Alexa is May, May Wen. Um, the killer, I can't pronounce how you say that in French, but his name is Philip Nohan. Uh, Jimmy was Frank Calhoun. Um, and then there's a couple other people, but they're pretty minor. Um, and can you say then, the name of this film again, Rick? No, the, the, the French version. Oh, it's like Haute uh, Tension or something. Hmm. I've been reading that as hot tension and for good reason. Um, and, yeah, but so basically I butchered the names, but um, some of them are <laughs> in other films, but Billy probably knows a lot better which films these people are in than I do. So, Well, that's false. That is absolutely false. <laughs> I can tell you this, though. Cecile de France, hammer of the century, and I'm not even going to wait on it. She's the hammer of this of this film. It was either her or Jimmy. Can't go with the obvious, you know, the one with the, you know, the, the boobs hanging out of the window. Cecile France <laughs> is, first of all, fit as a fiddle. And word on the street, she trained in Muay Thai to get rid, uh, to get, to get ready for this film. And I can tell she is absolutely shredded. She's absolutely a hammer. I don't know if I'll say of this century, but definitely of this movie. But Jimmy's a close second. Jimmy is not a close second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way he's gross whoa, whoa whoa hang on rick what's wrong with jimmy uh lots of things okay fine um, right there, there's lots of it... things wrong with you <laughs> rick probably doesn't have an axe sticking out of his chest though yeah i'm not a nice little shopkeeper like he was oh. okay so we, we can agree hammer award cecile de france 100 percent, dude yep mm. how do you say 100 percent in french uh oh some... yeah yeah, you, you can't do French it, numbers are weird, man. They're not like any other numbers. They they don't make sense. They're only like French, right? Yeah, but they're anyway. It's another podcast. Okay, another podcast. Well, you know what? Before we get into the movie, you know what we got to do. We've got some mysteries to solve of our own. And what's up? If for we Grant? can solve them this week, if you can solve them, because there's a reason <laughs> this film was my pick, right? Because we went forever without solving the case last time. I don't even remember what the I case was. I got half of it. You did get half of it, and you should have gotten a little bit of credit for that. But, you know, I guess when you're, when you're playing with house cards, you got to play with house rules. They are house cards. But let's do this. It's another edition of Crack the Case. And the rules are simple. This game is a lot like headbands. I'm going to read a mystery to our listeners and to our detectives, James, Rick, and Casey. And the three of them have to solve the crime by asking me, the moderator, the narrator, questions that can be answered with the following seven responses. Yes, no, yes and no, irrelevant, I don't know, define what you mean by, and rephrase your question. So, is everybody ready for Crack the Case? Yes. We... As ready as I'll ever be. James, do you have your uh, detective hat on right now? Yes, I had to find it there for a minute. <laughs> all right, this one is titled. I say one thing. Oh, by all means, say two. This movie was terrible. You shut your whore wow. mouth. How do you say terrible? Terrible, probably. <laughs> take that back. <laughs> terrible. You take that That's back. The, it's the one French word I do know. That and croissant. <laughs> I know one thing. <clears throat> I learned from this movie. Tell the French call the bathroom the wash closet. 
This water this, closet. And that's where I had to go after I got done watching this movie. Hey, James, this movie is fantastique, so you need to be quiet. Hey, James, just in case you didn't catch that, that's that's French for fantastic. That's French for the Fantastic Four. So, this the crime, fine. this case is called a crime of fashion. You know, kind of a play on words of a crime of passion. Like we're about to, well, I don't want to give it away. But the case is read as such. Petite, another French word, petite Missy Clark, a wedding consultant at a chic, another French word, department store, is found dead and hanging from a hook. Let me read that again. Petite Missy Clark, a wedding consultant at a chic department store, is found dead and hanging from a hook. Who killed Missy? How and why? Give me just a second. I'm going to read this. Oh, this is good. Go ahead. Who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? What? I know who did it. Go ahead, Inspector Gadget. Uh, the Bridezilla did it. No. All right, so since you went first, uh, who, who, Have Casey... you been talking this whole time? What? Were you talking the whole... Were you, like, reading something out loud? No, I was reading it to myself. Okay. There was no audio whatsoever. Well, there wasn't supposed to be. Okay. All right. <laughs> Boy, when this podcast comes out, it's gonna be a pile of shit. Just like this movie. Continue. <laughs> Onward. Hmm. Onward and upward. Rick. Okay. Um, you said it was a department store, right? Yes, Casey, your question. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. <laughs> is it really my question? That's it is. Fair. He has to clarify the question. Yes, yeah, he on. asked a clarifying what? Is it a department store? He asked a, and the answer is yes. Now it's Casey's I am, question. I am mad that they didn't say Chic Boutique. I think they missed an opportunity. Um, well, they, I don't think they knew we were watching Halt Tension. Well, if they're going to say other French words, they should stick with a recurring theme. Um, right The hook right. that she's hanging from, is it like one that you would use to get like hung items that are high up off the wall? I'm trying to figure out what kind of hook it is. Hello? Well, I, I'm, I'm waiting for your final question, though. No, I asked if it was the kind that you get high up items off the wall with. Um, I don't know. Oh, it doesn't say what kind of hook it is? James, your question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, has it got to do something with her being petite and the <laughs> business being chic? <laughs> I don't know. What a crappy clue. Where's my clue at? <laughs> You'll get it after round three. Hmm. Was someone mad at her? Yes. It wasn't a fucking accidental killing, James. Rick, your question. I it, Alex. <laughs> um, Trebek. Let it snow. <laughs> <laughs> That's let it snow, <laughs> Mr. Connery. Uh, <laughs> was she a young woman? That is irrelevant. Casey, your question. Be careful. No. Um, does it matter that she's small? Yes. Okay. Thank you. James, you're welcome. James, your question. And remember, after round three, you can begin to solve. I think this is round three. Yes, this is the beginning of round three. So after round three, you can solve. Now I need a clue. A clue for Inspector Clue. You get the clue after round three. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she's little. She's hung hot, up on a hanger. Hot, hot garbage. Let's see. Uh, 
was the person that was mad at her a customer? Yes, Rick. Yeah. Just to be just to be clear about this, knowing that it was a customer doesn't answer the operative parts of the solution. It's good that you hey, know it. <laughs> Rick, your question. I would like a sidebar with a mayor. Mm-hmm. Was the customer mad because they did not have her size? No. Casey, your question. It's a good question, though, Rick. I'm proud of you. You'll be an inspector one day yet. I'll try. <laughs> Hold it, y'all. Okay, um, I'm just trying to keep track. This is not a question. Um, please clarify what we're trying to solve. Who did it? How and why. How and why. Okay. Rereadings of the case do not count as your question. Well, she was hung. That's how they did it. Was she, Jane? Well, you just said she was hung up by a hook. Okay. Well, you got 33% of it, James. Congrats. <laughs> that was easy. Is she hanging from a hanger? Yes. Okay. I'm not solving anything. Well, now that we are at the end of round three, let's get that first clue. Missy needed all the commissions she could get. James, your question. Uh, hmm. Did Missy kill her? No, Missy is her. Huh? Isn't Missy the girl? (laughs) (laughs) Who who got killed here? That's my question. (laughs) Rephrase your question. <laughs> is the name of the woman that got killed? Is Missy the woman that got killed? <laughs> yes, Rick, your question. <laughs> yeah, we got that straightened out. <laughs> I believe some of us already did. Um, was the person hung up on the hook because they didn't make enough money that day? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you think? And the manager comes out like, you know, Missy, you've been missing your metrics. <laughs> now die. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Rick. I hope you never get promoted at your job, <laughs> Casey. <laughs> your question. Rick is out here creating a capitalist nightmare. Um, <laughs> so, okay, she's hanging on here. Commission. Um, was it a customer who was overcharged at the store? No. Okay. Clue number two: the bride to be had three parents. Jables, your question. Uh, Calm down, uh, killer. Let me see here. Missy needed commission. The bride to be had three parents. How's that work? Was one of those people mad at Missy? One of those three parents were they mad at Missy? Yes. Would you like to solve? No. Rick? Did Missy give one of the parents the wrong size? Of clothes. Define what you mean by the wrong size clothes. <sighs> Did Missy give the bride to be the wrong size wedding dress? No. Casey? Actually, Rick, would you like to try and solve? Uh, no, I'm good. Casey? Um, did she sell them the wrong gown in general? Yes and no. Okay. Would you like to solve? No. James, your question. Did Missy give the wrong outfit to one of the parents? Define what you mean by the wrong outfit. Not the right one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) yes and no. Would you like to solve? (laughs) No. Rick, was, was the 
article of clothing too big of a size? Define what you mean by was one of them too big. <sighs> was one of the 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 dresses too big for for the rel- for the uh the family members? Yes and no. Was it too big for one of the family members? Yes and no. Pass. I have no idea. <laughs> you guys are really really close on this. Casey, your question. <sighs> I'm trying to think because if it's yes and no on the wrong size, yes and no on what was the other what was my thing that was yes and no? Are you asking me or are you asking your colleagues? I'm asking my colleagues. <laughs> my colleagues who are not helping me. I don't remember. What was the question? My question is, do you remember what it was that I asked that Billy said yes and no on? Because I don't want to ask Billy because he'll count it as my question. Mm, I don't know. Who said yes or no? Billy said yes and no, but I don't remember what it was that I said that prompted that response. Oh, yes and no to the size. He said that. Well, that was Rick. She, Missy sold Missy sold the two customers the wrong size dress. Yes and no. Okay. God, you guys are so close on this, which I shouldn't even say that. I'm sorry, James. I'm not trying to give Casey any answers. <laughs> huh. I'm not trying to give Casey any answers by saying, you know, anything. You ought to. Um, let's see. <laughs> if I did, I would have to go to the next guy. <laughs> let's see. Next so, question, please. I'm working on it. Where's the clue at? How many clues do we get? <laughs> There's only two. two. Let my mind wander. <laughs> As if it wasn't. <laughs> it's in left field right now, Bill. <laughs> Did she, like, sell them her wedding dress, which would be too small for them? No. But again, you guys are really knocking on the door here. James, or actually, Casey, if you want to try to solve, remember who killed Missy, how and why. That's the best Axl Rose I've heard since Axl Rose. Casey, would you like to try? (laughs) Oh, um, no. James. Who killed her? Jimbo. Jables. Use my power of intuition. (laughs) Do you have one of those? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, somewhere in my bag of tricks. Alright, so the bride had three parents. I assume there's a period at the end of that, not a question mark. There's no question marks in my statements. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Now or ever. (laughs) (laughs) So... So Missy obviously made somebody mad in this in this in these parents to wind up dead. I would think so. So somebody would have had to done this out of jealousy or rage or something. Oh. And the only thing that I know they would get a a mom and a stepmom oh. fired up at each other. Wait, what at each other? Fired up, Bill. Oh, okay. <clears throat> or mad at Missy. Would be if the dresses were the wrong size, and one of them was a a portly fellow. Fellow. <laughs> I heard, why are you don't I hear looking Darth, at a mirror, James? <laughs> why do I hear Darth Vader breathing? Because Rick's deep throating his mic. Let's see here. <laughs> Notice you don't hear him coughing though. That's impressive. All right. So, is this a conflict between a stepmom and uh, the regular mom? Yes and no. Hmm. Jealousy is a fickle beast. <laughs> it is. I would like to buy a vowel. To say who killed Missy, how and why? I would also like for you to say that. 
I think that the stepmom killed Missy. How? I don't know. Why? Because she got her the wrong dress. She got made fun of. Just like they used to do me when they handed out football pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what part of this do you want me <laughs> to respond to as your question, James? Because it has been quite lengthy. How is this solved? I asked the question. <laughs> That's the answer. Okay, who killed Missy? Roger Rabbit. You you said that you you said uh, what your what your thoughts were the step the step because she was a portly fellow why because everybody found her when she put her dress on and they were too it was too little okay and how how did the stepmom kill Missy okay well then then we can't consider this thing solved you're you hung on a hook (laughs) because she was petite. She killed her out of jealousy and rage, Bill. Well, why was not one of the questions, even though you're right there. What? I mean, yes, the the, the stepmother killed killed Missy, and she hung her on a hook to display her. That's, you know, her being petite was really important. And the why, yes, she, she sold. This is where the commission comes in. She sold the same dress to the mom and to the stepmom, the the most expensive one to get the most commission. But the thing is, James, you 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 nailed it on this one, and I'm really surprised at you and not at Casey, who has worked in sort of the same. Well, it may as well be the same situation. I the mother commission. Well, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the commission's part, and I don't think you've murdered anybody either. But what I'm saying that is, part I'm not denying. Okay, well. Nobody listens to this anyway. That's cool. But the mom and the stepmom had the same dress. The stepmom may have been a little fluffier than the mom. And people who saw the mom and the stepmom wearing the same dress, they kind of gave props to the mom and kind of made fun of, as James said, the stepmom. But what happened? What did stepmom do to kill Missy? Because we are missing the how. Rick, your question. Um... Did Missy comment on how the dress made the stepmom look? No, very good question, but no, she did not. Casey? So she's hung up on a hanger. Is she hung up in the dress? Um, That's irrelevant. Mm. Actually, I can tell you she hooked, uh, hooked, hooked her up by the back of her bra, so she must have been really petite. But those things yeah. must have been huge in order to like get the undercarry, you know? Because if she's flat like me, she's they're just gonna slide right off. She's gonna hit the ground. God, Missy's got to be yeah. Missy's got to be packing some some situations. Some torpedoes. <laughs> okay, James. <laughs> Casey, your question. Oh, um, I asked a question. I asked if she was strung up in a dress. I'll be damned. You did. Okay. Would you like to solve? Well, okay. So. All we have to solve left is how it was done, but you've already told us that she was hanging on a hanger hung up by the back of her bra. Well, so that's just where she that? left her. No, that, that's where she left her. That's not... Oh. Yeah. Okay. I could beat you with a baseball bat and throw you in the trash, but like just because you know, you're found in the trash doesn't mean I did it, right? Gotcha. Okay. I see what you mean. Um... What the hell is going on around here? <laughs> it's getting a little morbid, James. Did she strangle her? Uh... Define what you mean by strangle. Mm, did she suffocate her with the dress? Oh, I don't know how to do this. Do it. I've got to right. give I've got to give it to you, Casey. 
Uh, okay, Whoa. yeah, let, let's. Uh, she did not suffocate her with the dress, but the solution does not say that you have to find what she suffocated her with. Investigators must discover that the ex Mrs. Malcolm and current Mrs. Malcolm were sold the same dress. Current Mrs. Malcolm suffocated Missy in the dressing room because Missy had humiliated her by selling her the dress for. Okay, it's smudged here. Their daughter's wedding. So there you go. Guys. She sounds awful petty. Well, she is petty, but Casey knows petty better than anybody. And who killed Missy? The stepmom. How suffocated her with actually a plastic bag. And why? Mm-hmm. Because of the dress. Casey, congratulations once again on winning Crack the Case. That means you know what happens next. You get to choose the next movie that we review here on Slashers and Screamers. So would you like to divulge that now or did you want to wait till the end? I will leave everyone waiting. Oh, Lord. <laughs> James, do you want another foreign film? No, I do not. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to do it for Crack the Case My this week. It's not updated. <laughs> Well, all right, so let's seg into high tension now. Like, this is something that, you know, it, it feels like it's been a month since we started, or we ended the last episode, and I, I've now watched High Tension this week three times, and like, let's just jump Let's just jump into it. Like, it, I don't know if this is a cold open, like, w- with the beginning of this, you know, this movie, um, but, I mean, it's a brutal scene. Uh, we see a woman walking through the woods. She's shredded in more ways than one, obviously, like we talked about, which we're going to see that later. But she's cut. She's bloody, stumbling through the woods. Uh, she makes it to the road where a vehicle sees her and stops. But that's all we're going to get, you know, before we throw it back to, you know, the beginning, you know, the, the preface. So like, we're joining a, a girl's trip here. And we know it's a, a road trip from the singing on the radio. It's a classic, you know, favorite song comes on. So we have to sync over periods using the time-honored tradition of duetting the song on the radio. Am I close on this? Are you a scientist? I am an amateur gynecologist. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... I, I did not understand this movie. You didn't understand what? You didn't understand any of it? The movie. Did you watch the right movie? Yes. Well, you just rewatched sure. the witch. Did you rewatch the witch? Didn't you? <laughs> I want <a> Ty Chaparral. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I've been on some road trips where we witnessed the most random, bizarre occurrences, but I have yet to see a man in a truck skull fucking a decapitated head. True story. That's how I remembered the movie starting. So I was waiting for that scene to come, and it—I mean, like. For someone yeah. to do that within the first seven minutes of a movie is still pretty extreme. But for some reason, that's how I pictured the entire thing starting. Yeah, that's okay. what I thought. Man. Yeah. So just opening, you know, dissolve to this old beat up truck, <clears throat> getting helmet from this from this head, huh? Yeah, so, so unfortunately, you guys yeah. The opening being different as I pictured the ending of the village being different. So it's good that we go back and rewatch these because we, we, we could never just nail this on the first shot without watching. Yeah. Well, we know I this also, trip. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, please. I also thought that the head he throws out the window looks like Alex, but so, it's clearly not. Right. So, okay, I kind of, I kind of thought the same thing, and I thought, no, there's no way. And well, I, actually I looked had it to up, cheat. and they said it's not. Right, and I, I think it probably points out that the guy has a type. Yeah. That's what it said. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, then we can agree on that. But we know that this trip is 
it's to a very secluded area because at one point one of the girls Alex I believe says that like only tractors use the road so people like James are going to be seen there but nobody else <laughs> and and you know they're kind of surrounded by corn so that's never a good thing if if any 80s 90s horrors taught me anything it's like stay the fuck away from cornfields maze <laughs> it's amazing but here we are 10 minutes into this thing and we've already seen, you know, we've already got one of the girls lost in the cornfield. Of course, it was a prank. So, you know, uh, that is Alex and Marie. So we have their names right. But yeah, it's a prank. I see the corn. I'm already like, you know, breathing in corn dust in, in my in my home because I'm thinking, oh, God, like here's corn. It never goes right. But, you know, and, and you know, per IMDb, um, the scene of Marie searching for Alex in the cornfield originally ended with Marie catching a glimpse of that truck where uh, where old boys getting helmet from the 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 head getting head from the head getting head from the head so they they shot you know they cut that shot out to keep it more um i guess mysterious uh you don't want to give away too much don't want to paint that guy as a killer just yet maybe spoilers but you know well you know so so we're, we're on a visit to alex's parents place it's late at night alex is tucking in uh what looks to be like a younger brother sibling into the bed and I can't really tell if Marie is smiling that Alex is showing some motherly instincts or if she's smirking while she's checking out those cheeks. Because she even gave like a little head tilt. And I kind of gave a little head tilt as well. Because like the way she bent over, it's like I've seen strippers bend over like that. She didn't even bend at the knees. It was impressive. I mean, I think they make it pretty clear that Marie has a crush. Yeah, she's definitely the designs. Get. Yeah, but at what point do we know that for sure? Um. I mean, I think you definitely get vibes, and then I think it's pretty clear when Marie starts talking about, like, other dudes and stuff like that, and, or no, I'm sorry, Alex starts talking about other dudes and stuff like that, and Marie, like, gets jealous and calls her a slut. See, you picked up on that. I did not. Not at that point, anyway. I was more thrown off by the fact that uh, somebody said um, something about him not being single, and the other one said, well, um... If he's not single, then there must be something to him. I can't remember what exactly that line was, but like she, she's suspicious of single guys. Does anybody else remember that line? Because I am not, I'm not quoting it right. I want to say Marie said that, and it further hinted at my suspicion that she is a lesbian. Okay. Well, I mean, if, if you weren't sure before, you have to be sure. What? From the owls. <laughs> <laughs> She's from the Isles, Bill. Is that what it is? Isles <laughs> on his boat. <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy about it because um, the suspicions were, I guess, kind of confirmed. Um, and if you weren't sure before, you have to be when Marie sees that creepy doll in the bedroom and is still chill enough to do some finger painting. What? I did not see any fire in this. Oh my god! <laughs> if you, uh, James, um, I, I, I guess <laughs> can't be subtle. No subtlety here. Yeah, uh, James. Um, this being a French film, I guess I should call it a menage à moi. <laughs> She's uh, visiting the old uh, safety deposit box. <laughs> She's trying to get the quarter out of the machine, baby. <laughs> 
So on a serious note, you know, those head the, 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 those headphones that Marie was wearing when she was auditioning the finger puppets, those those were brand name all y'all. <laughs> those headphones the brand name were Bang and Olufsen eight eight headphones. Bang what? and Olufsen. <laughs> True story. Oh God. Nice footnote. Them's the same as ones I'm wearing now. <laughs> uh, just keep your hands out of your pockets, James. So before uh, before Marie can finish uh, woman splaining herself, you know things kind of go off the rails. <laughs> uh, the doorbell rings. Uh, Alex's dad answers the door and is immediately and brutally murdered by having his head shoved between the rods, between the the stairs and the handrails. And this was so bad like right he has a dresser run into his exposed head how fucked was this rick i've wanted to do this to you so many times it, i mean it was messed up but i was gonna say you remember when they hear like the knock at the door and they all ju- are startled and jump up in bed like obviously yeah, not most of them they're not <laughs> expecting somebody you know to ring their door at, i don't know what time it was but i'm assuming pretty late at night yeah, everybody's asleep. I mean, mom is like dead to the world. Yeah. Okay. And like dad yells, like the only one that seems to hear him is right. is is Marie. And she's well, and the dogs kind of frozen there. Oh, of course the dogs because they've got that supersonic hearing, you know. Oh and here's God, the thing about that so dog. Cute. I know. But here's the thing about that dog. It was a pretty big dog, and he's killed as well off screen, thankfully. But when um, when Alex's mom comes from the bedroom from her fucking deep slumber, there's no more dog. You, you see, I didn't uh, even notice that. Yeah, you see the killer coming up the steps, and behind him is no dog. Like, where the fuck did this dog go? Like, you know, did the killer take his head off and skull fuck it too? Okay, I would like to politely draw a line. Oh, Probably. so so a decapitated head from a woman was was too much, but yeah, the the animal is. Off limits. Correct. That's the line. Well, you know, um, Alex the dog is, is really cute. He is. But so I cute. have a question. First, two questions. Yes. He got like slashed in the face by something. What was that? It wasn't like a regular knife. The dad, um, I mean. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. It was, it was almost like a garden tool or something like that. I don't know. See, I missed it as well, and I just maybe like uh, a knife. Yeah, retroactively, I assumed it was that razor he was carrying. Yeah. Because he okay, carried yeah. that razor that all sense. through the movie. You're like right. Yeah, it's, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the other thing, would that take your head off? Well, you don't know mm-hmm. this Frenchman I, who's roaming the countryside killing people. I mean, he was I a don't. pretty big dude, so. Yeah, he's but pretty it, thick. Like, it with would three tear C's. your head all the way off? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, he probably put a lot of force into it, I'm sure. Oh, a ton of force. To answer I your question, no, it would somebody. not. Okay. Not lately. Well, you know, speaking of that decapitation, you know, with the bookcase, um, the original cut. Had... It takes five pounds of pressure to rip a man's ear off. That's <sighs> too, it's too light. I don't like oh, that. Yeah. I, James, I'm pretty sure you've applied five pounds, five pounds of pressure to my ears before. And they're you still here. It. You can Google it. Well, James sounds pretty sure about this. I'm nervous to Google that. Actually, I am. Yeah, I don't know. I am. Do it, Rick. Just kidding. But, you know, to get the R rating for, you know, for this movie, they had to cut a few things. And this is one of the things. So even imagine, you know, what we saw in this version of the film 
with the head coming off. There's still more that was put in the original. There, I guess there was some blood sp- uh, spraying from the neck. And, um, yeah, to, to get that R rating, the you know, the initial killing is more, I guess, implied. Uh, is, the killing's not implied. The uh, the, the blood spatters is going to be what's implied. Yeah, there. I, I watched the unrated version that was in there. Oh, this fuck. Oh, I've got the unrated. <laughs> just, just say it, Rick. You're rich, okay? But, you know, when Alex's mother has her throat slashed, that scene is also edited. Um, you know, she's got a lot of, you know, blood spurting from the neck. And we don't really see that. We just see the slash a la Friday the 13th part two. And, um, you know, I guess the, the killer pulls her head back and that, that's all gone. Um, apparently there's also a scene where her hand is severed off and we never see that at all. Or at least in the American theatrical. And that's what I watched. I'm pretty sure that's what I watched. So I'll pose the same question. I don't know what I watched. James, you watched the American version of The Witch is what you did. I watched American <laughs> Gladiators. <laughs> well, the same question that I have from the episode we did on The Village. Does clearly seeing the face or the head-to-toe figure of our antagonist erase any mystique there would be? Mystique's another French word. Or are we okay seeing our killer? Um, I think it's a situation where he didn't, like, there's no... There's nothing to hide behind. There's no mask or anything. They're very open from the beginning on who this is. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know who this is. We only know what he looks like. That's what I mean. Sorry. Yeah, um, right. Like, there's there's just no... It's devoid of any kind of masking. So it's just, we see this man who is the murderer. And we don't even need any kind of background or history or if he knows the family or anything. They jump right into him murdering the hell out of them. Yeah, and, you know, the most infuriating part of this, to me, maybe as a man, maybe as a dad, maybe as someone who doesn't want to be murdered, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. when the killer hits the dad at the beginning, he kind of yells out in pain, right? There's a a very audible, loud yell from the dad, to the point where Marie hears him and is immediately afraid, but the mom is just laying there in bed like, oh, this is peculiar. And Alex, don't get me started on Alex because she is dead to the universe. Yep. And one day removed from didn't hear any of that, James. You had a hearing aid in her ear. Who? So she's all dead deaf. That one girl had something in her ear. Did I is what? Is Alex deaf? She was laying there asleep and had a hearing aid in her ear. Was it a hearing aid or a headphone? I think it was a headphone. Headphone to me. Oh, God, James. Why did nobody go down and help Dad out? Nobody budged from their rooms until he was decapitated. Yeah. This is exactly why I don't answer my door. Something's going on here. Something fishy. Yeah, fishy as hell, James. And you know, Alexandra Ja, the director of this film, has often said that high tension takes elements... What? Jean-Luc Picard. No. Alexandria Ja has often said that this movie huh. takes elements and is largely an homage to many past horror flicks, okay? But Marie hiding under the bed kind of takes me back to my uh, my favorite slasher film of all time, Friday the 13th Part 2, like I just mentioned. When Jenny is hiding under the bed, the only thing missing here would have been, you know, a rat to make her piss herself. Would have been great, but maybe it would have been a little too similar. But it's something tells me that Alexandria Ja does not care about that. <clears throat> we'll get to that later. But at this point, my opinion of Marie 
outside of aesthetically is not very high. Damn. Well, why is that? Because she, okay, we know that later on she takes action, right? She is an action-taking type woman. She is not a do-nothing bitch, okay? But she hears dad getting decapitated. She watches mom's throat get slit. And now she's letting little brother uh, of Alex get blown away in the cornfield. She's doing nothing. And the reason that's so infuriating is because she is clearly that bitch, okay? She, like I said, she's as fit as a fiddle. And we saw shortly after this scene in the house, quite capable of fucking somebody up. But it wasn't until everybody else was dead or dying that she, you know, decided to make her move. I think it definitely shows two lines of thinking for her character, which I think also comes into play later. Fair. Well, once Alex is taken, you know, that, that's when she really gets going, though, right? And as a, as a first-time viewer, this has got to frustrate you because this type of intuition back at the house might have helped prevent this whole thing in my mind. Again, as a first-time viewer. I mean, knowing... She's motivated by love. Gosh, she is motivated by love. But, you know, Alex is taken, and Maria's, you know, in hot pursuit in a badass little vehicle, if I remember right. Um, or maybe that was later. What, what did she... No, she tried to sneak into the truck with... Yeah. Uh, w- yeah, w- with, with Alex. And she's seconds away from just braining this guy with something, and he slams the door in her face, and now they're stuck. Well, we never talked about the little kid that runs into the field, and the killer shoots him with a shotgun. Yeah, well, I, I I said I glossed over it, but that is pretty brutal. Yeah. I mean, I, I joked, I think, last week that, you know, children were my favorite uh, demographic to murder. But uh, no, no, this is a, uh, this, this screams very, I, I think this is what made me the most upset with, with Marie. Because she clearly saw them, right? She saw them from a window, right. if I'm not mistaken. Sees yeah, this happening, stays in the house. Right. So yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it shocked me, and I hadn't seen it in probably honestly ten years or more, and it's still, you know, I was like, man, that's rough. I saw this movie when it was released uh, on on DVD. I missed it in theaters, I think, because I was still in the Navy at the time. But I caught it, you know, at the um, at the video store, and I'd heard a lot about it. But yeah, we're uh, we're looking at this, and you, you wonder like, what's making her drag her feet? Because she definitely does spring into action, and uh, so you know. We, she and Alex are taken. I guess Alex is taken, and she's trapped in the truck with Alex. But she's got the best of intentions now until we get to the gas station. The gas station is probably my favorite scene, aside from the ending scene. And this scene, out of all the gore, blood, murder, and the like, it's got to be my favorite because mainly because of the the, the strange interaction <laughs> between our killer and the store manager Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. a really odd conversation. And by the way, and, this scene is an homage to a similar scene in the 1980 movie Maniac. The Shining. It's also the, when he gets axed in the chest. Yes. Yes. The Shining. Yes. The scene as a whole, 1980s Maniac, the axe to the chest, most definitely The Shining. He, uh, the Shining is one of my very favorite. He should have just picked up that gun when the guy said hey, do you have this type of beer? He should have said no. And just because you see the camera shot where he reaches down for the gun and he hesitates. And I'm like, dude, well, really? Come well, he on. Hesitates. He hesitates because our killer like reaches out and like puts his hand on him. And this brought up a question. I'm glad you said that, Rick. This brought up a question. Is our killer here, is he gay and wants him from Jimmy? And I have a very specific reason for asking that. I mean, we talked about how Marie 
was talking with Alex about guys and single guys and guys with significant others and how it pissed her off when when, when Alex said why, right? So she called her a slut, whatever. The killer is doing the same thing with Jimmy and he's gauging Jimmy's interest in women. And when Jimmy reaches under for the gun under the counter, the killer touches Jimmy's hand, but not in an authoritative way, but like in an intimate way. If you look at his hand, it did not look, he didn't grab his wrist. He rested his hand on Jimmy's wrist. And I don't know that that was done accidentally. And maybe I'm looking too far into it. And maybe I'm drawing too many parallels or at least forcing the parallels. But am I, am I way off on this? Am I being silly? I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible, but I think there's something to consider that he's like killing and doing sex acts with women too. Cause the head yeah. that he's yeah. receiving head from is that as I well, saw it of a lady. And, and here's the thing. There's something about that scene that we have to come back to at the end, because I have a very important question and it's something that I've not been able to piece together, but I'm, I'm going to need your opinions on it. So let's just say that. But, you know, th- there's a fun scene after this, and it's kind of, the you know, a chase through the woods. She's behind the truck. All of a sudden, the truck disappears, and then the truck's behind her. And, you know, it, well, first of all, in that scene, uh, Cecile de France is doing her own driving, her own stunts. I guess there aren't any stunts. Well, there is a stunt. There's one. But she's doing most of that her, her herself. And, uh, you know, that's kind of impressive. But this is, um, we're getting close to... A big turning point. And before we get to that turning point, name one thing sexier than Cecile de France wielding a post wrapped in barbed wire. I'll wait. <laughs> You've got me fresh out of ideas. Didn't think so. Well, it's going to be really difficult now to go very much further without spoiling the ending. I mean, we've skirted around it. Uh, we've got things to discuss, though, and they're all really dependent on knowing the end. Well, not the ending. Specifically knowing the, the big twist. twist. Yeah. The big twist. So, do you want to spill the beans, Casey? Sure. So, the killer, as we see him, who slashes her father, who slashes Alex's father and pushes his head off with the dresser and slits the throat of her mother and shoots her brother and axes this guy in the chest, is... And we know that because when we see the police looking at the footage in the gas station we see that marie is the one who executed that murder not some dude and then we show blown blown. and then we show flashback on flashback of marie committing these murders of alex's family one by one which is a really cool montage yeah the only thing missing is like you know a rocky type you know musical score <clears throat> i would like you billy to remake the scene but play eye of the tiger please i was gonna say there's no easy way out that that's, that works uh, too yeah yeah actually anything from any rocky soundtrack works <laughs> if, I, if i'm if i'm being honest about it montage of like, those two yeah i could totally shadow box right now but you know this is where we kind of join the movie uh back at the beginning you know where you know where we are kind of right now in you know in our discussion like this is where the the cold open is that what that is is that a cold open i don't know my my filmmaking nomenclature I mean, my jumped right in like butter james your mind is always like butter <laughs> okay you're, you're no different than you are at any time this is you this baby has confused me all right, let's get James up to speed now. James, let's discuss. 
Let's discuss in 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 at length where you're confused on this one. I need to know. There wasn't even a guy. <laughs> are you asking or are you declaring? <laughs> I'm declaring. You've declared correctly. There yeah. is no guy. But I don't understand who was that in the van at the first of it with a decrapitated head. See, James, all right. Or was that I, just one I of her? I was going to come back to this. I was going to come back to it. But you, you're bringing it up now. We need to clarify it. Guys, how did this woman lose her head to a guy in a truck if Marie had not yet arrived to town? Did she mm. come beforehand and kill somebody? How does I this think, happen? So Who are all I, those other people that that guy had, that so-called guy had in his rearview mirror? Is this a plot hole, Casey? Um... I think it is a plot hole, but the way that I have thought to resolve it, at least for me, is that I think that Marie has had these obsessive love interests with people before and that the pictures represent those people. And also the scene initially where it shows her seeing the truck, I think is like the beginning of what we see as a mental break. Because I think the scene where he's getting head from the head and then throws it out the window is just that I think truly is like a mental break and that's her imagination. I don't think that actually happens. So do you think that it's a possibility that coming into town, they saw this very real mechanic. I can only assume he's a mechanic because the, uh, the back of his coveralls say uh, Aja and Frere. Aja being the director. And brother. Yes. Um, but they saw this mechanic in a truck or Marie saw the mechanic in this truck, decided to make him, the figment in her mind, and what he throws out the the window is a a beer can instead of a head. Not saying yeah. he was fucking a beer can. But... Basically, yes. Okay, I can buy that because this whole week I've been very upset. Wanted to ask this question <laughs> <laughs> for the whole week. But I think it's a really interesting dynamic because I think it shows an interesting play on gender roles to show herself for what we see of her after Alex gets taken because, like you said, she's not super helpful before that she sees herself clearly as this heroic final girl character um because you know she's the one running in the woods going in the gas station creeping around running around the bathroom trying to make sure that nobody's there and you know taking on this really important role as the one to rescue alex but she clearly also has this part of her mind that splits off and sees herself as this like really like masculine dude murderer Maybe she has multiple personalities. That, it's always a possibility. I mean, but I think that's, that's specific... what I, that's my thinking, but I mean, you know, future's on. Well, I wonder if it's multiple personalities or if it is, I guess, uh, in her mind, she has just become a different person altogether, not a different personality within the same body. Because she's obviously seeing this outside of herself. Usually multiple personalities, one disappears and another shows up. They're never in, you know ne'er do the two meet interact yeah that's what i thought too that it was like a separate person within her mind but not a multiple personality because they wouldn't be able to interact with each other as far as what i know with what i think is now called disassociative identity disorder uh-huh and and you know rick i did mention earlier that i am merely an amateur gynecologist not a scientist so i could be totally off on that i mean i, I don't know yeah i mean that was just my thought but 
Who no, knows? it's uh, but I mean, but it's worth throwing out there because we don't yeah. know, and there, there are things right. that you know remain unanswered. Um, but it is kind of sewn up pretty good, you know, at, at the end. You know, again, it's revealed that Marie is the killer the whole time, creating the illusion in her mind that the man in the coveralls was a vicious killer, and she did so out of her secret love of Alex, who, while evading this buzzsaw wielding bitch, Marie stabs Marie. I mean. Uh, uh, <laughs> Alex stabs Marie through the chest with a tire iron, killing her. But you know, or no, she did not kill her. She uh, uh, in- incapacitated her because we know at the end Marie is left in a uh, not a padded room, but um, you know, a psychiatric hospital of some sort. But as <laughs> this is really what I wanted to save, you know, at, at this point, okay, you know, before I get into the next thing, we love this movie, right? Not James, but I do. I do. I- I think James is lying. I think he's lying through his teeth because when he texted me, he said, Bill, I hope you're proud of yourself. It usually means that I've done something against his will. And this time it's making him like something he didn't want to like. I'm hoping that's the case this time. Jables, what say you? You did not disappoint, Bill. (laughs) This was another crappy movie. Well, as much as I love this movie, it is hard to ignore the fact that it is egregiously plagiarized. From Dean Koontz. From Dean fucking Koontz. One of my favorite authors. Okay, you're going to have to fill me in because I don't... I. Oh, believe me, Rick, the podcast isn't over right now. <laughs> so yeah, you're is about to get filled in. I, I pretty much read Stephen King, so I never read Coots, honestly. I oh. think you would like Dean Coots if you like Stephen King. Um, there are different levels of, well, the book is called Intensity, but there are different levels of intensity. But um, well, it's also like horror him. versus thriller, right? Yeah, basically. So, so you know, basically, it's, I mean, it's so, so similar to what this is. And I know um, the director who has directed some of my other favorites including the remake of hills have eyes and crawl um it's a college student visiting her friend for a long weekend a serial killer breaks into their house and kills everybody um the one who's visiting the family leaves and promises to return it's a whole thing hiding chasing trying to find her friend trying to take care of her friend it's really and then basically it's the same kind of thing where we see it is actually a villain in this one, but the rest of it is pretty much line for line. Very, yeah. very, very similar. Now I get it. You know, there is a, I guess, a narrower selection of original material available for, you know, fans of, well, I mean, any genre, you know, and, you know, we, we see that in all the remakes, reboots, you know, reimaginations such as, I don't know, um, things that aren't Evil Dead 2. <laughs> but you know, no, no matter what your opinion of any remake is, one minute. Oh. <laughs> Did she say crawl? Crawl. Yeah, is, well, welcome back. Yes. As in crawl, the thing that he throws. No. Crawl, no. Like, like an alligator that crawls. Like crawl. Holy Shore's character from Son-in-Law. Crawl. C R A W L. Not crawl. Not K R U L L. There's a movie called Crawl. Like you're crawling oh. on the floor. Crawley said crawl like the sci-fi fantasy movie, Crawl. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you said it, I knew what where you were going. You didn't know nothing. I did know because... I, <laughs> you told me this I, movie was awesome. 
It's soaked. <laughs> you're, you know what? You're impossible. Uh, please, is, is what the problem is. Cool. It's impossible. Please. You know who else thought the movie oh. sucked? Cat. Dean Koontz. Oh. <laughs> he said he <laughs> yeah. found, Dean Koontz, the author that is based on, said he found the film so puerile, so disgusting, and so intellectually bankrupt that he didn't want the association association with it that would inevitably come if he pursued action against the filmmaker so they wow. pursued no action <laughs> they he just it. let it he just let it uh, slide hoping no one would ever notice i do not blame him <laughs> of his actions well you know two episodes of a miniseries were aired on fox in 97 and of course, Aja is the uh, director of two, the 2003 French film. Um, but, you know, the, the plot, they're exactly the same. Like Casey said, I mean, it follows a young girl, travels with a friend on the way home. Uh, China is the girl in Intensity, and Marie is in High Attention. Um, they both have, you know, the, the loner protagonist. What? China, like the wrestler. It is it's spelled, spelled the, the same. same. It is spelled exactly the same. R.I.P. China. Same person or is it just spelled the same? Spelled the same. Yeah, China is the character's name in Intensity. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. China. Yeah, Joni Lorer is not in the movie Intensity. Onward. Thank you. Um, Intruder enters the house the first night, kills the family, brutally beats the hell out of the friend. Um, You know, of course, both China and Marie in their respective stories employ stealth to evade the killer. Um, Both of them, you know, chase after the mystery man. Uh, once the friend is kidnapped, it's identical. But of course, like uh, like Casey says, it, it kind of splits at the end where one is, you know, an enemy within herself. China, you know, has an external enemy. And that's just, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really unfair to Dean Koontz because at some point, Alexander Aja acknowledged having read the book. And even so, he stated... Uh, at the beginning, that their films share some similarities, but he never admitted that it was influenced by the novel or the the miniseries. And you know, one can argue that the similarities between them extend beyond just similarity. You know, especially with the bulk of the film being directly lifted from the original. I mean, in fact, it it's insulting, really, <laughs> that he credits all these horror flicks. You know, like we said earlier, uh, Maniac, Friday the Thirteenth, The Shining. And just would rather not credit the actual author who provided the material for his fucking story. Especially since it's been as successful as it has been. I know this is a damn ripoff. <laughs> you knew it from the beginning, James. Well, although uh, Jaws kind of mastered, uh, you know, the, the brutal style, you know, M- Marie is what really engages the audience here. And, like, she is basically China, you know. I mean, she lived through you know, all the the events that Kuntz wrote. You know, the viewer is really curious to see what she's going to do. You know, Marie becomes a hero only in her mind after, you know, the shocking twist at the end. I mean, it, it, it is impossible until that moment for the audience to, you know, to look away. It's, it's, it's a wonderfully written story. So, James, the thing is, you want to shit on the movie so much, but are you not in the same breath giving Dean Kuntz his props? Dean Koontz wrote a book, and then this Aju character plagiarized it, leading me to believe, like I always knew, the only Aju I like is sauce on my roast meat. 
So, despite <laughs> Koontz's pleas for action, of course, his camp did not act, um, which is probably sensible. You know, um, he knows about high tension. He refuses to mention the title of the film in order to take away from, you know, any extra publicity for the film that might incur with the association. Um, he didn't want that much gore, and he thinks it's disgusting. But this film is very polarizing, and as you can hear from, you know, our panel, you know, three of us love it, James hates it. But, you know, if, if, if the French version, you know, concluded without satisfying anybody's taste for, uh, you know, the end of a good story, um, I would say watch Intensity. Now, it's not going to hold up as well. You know, the suspense is still there, okay, because Koontz is a suspense guy. Um, there is substantially less gore. Uh, there's more uh, psychological theme that's kind of prominent in both films. But it takes a completely route, a completely different route in the miniseries, of course. Um, and again, it should be noted that the production values are from the late 90s. Okay, this is not an early 2000s, uh, you know, current up-to-date film like High Tension. Now, the product is going to be less than perfect, but that does not imply that it is inferior at all. So, you know, in, in case t- High Tension didn't do it for you, James, try Intensity. Try the book. Try the I miniseries. I think that... I don't know what I watched, but I don't know what you watched, but high tension looked like it was filmed through a viewfinder and the audio was put through a Teddy Ruxpin. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, (laughs) I kind of dig the grainy footage, you know? Uh, Yeah, I like how it kind of gives me drive-in vibes. Yeah. Rick, you've never been to a drive-in. I have too. When's the last time you went to a drive-in? Like, 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you need to come up my way, up north middle Tennessee, and cross over the line into Franklin, Kentucky, a little one-horse town, because they have a splendid little drive-in theater. All right? So if you're ever traveling, listeners, you're coming down I-65 south or north, you hit Franklin, Kentucky, don't blink. Take exit two. Follow that road, and you're going to run into the Franklin, Kentucky drive-ins. Fantastic. I love drive-ins. Okay, I have a question, question for the panel. Last night at the Quiet Place 2 showing starting at 6. So show up at 8, miss, you know, uh, Fast and Furious, and catch a Quiet Place 2. Rick, what, what was your question? Uh, So all y'all that watched the dubbed English version, was the oh, mouthing even good? Or was mealy it, or was bastard. It, or was it off really bad? I, I just want to know. I swear to God, I used to own this movie on DVD because I know I've seen a version of it that is not dubbed. I don't know if I loaned it to somebody or if I borrowed it from a friend and returned it or what, but I know I've seen this movie not dubbed. The mouth parts aren't great. Yeah, because I I just watched it in French with the English subtitles. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, I grew up on Kung Fu Theater, so nothing is too far off for me. (laughs) (laughs) James, correct me if I'm wrong, but the version that we watched, um, like it, it started off in English and then jumped to French. <laughs> I don't think that one girl was French, but she could speak a little French. So she was just, when she was that guy, she was speaking French. That's the reason it was in English and in whatever. Well, I think one of the girls is, uh, she Austrian, not Austrian. Um, what am I thinking of? Italian? No, I'm trying to remember, um where one of these actresses is from she's not from uh, one, france one of them is the the cecile de france is uh is uh she's belgian ah oh, yeah belgian okay well hmm but they still i mean they speak french waffle. And dutch there so. i knew a waffle was coming out of your mouth next james <laughs> god i those in waffles i know you do 
Well, you know, I, I really do think this movie would have been so much better, and it, even without changing any material, if it had just identified high tension as based on a novel by Dean Koontz. You know, there's a you know strong sense of sympathy and realism in the actors. You know, gore lovers are you know happy with it. Um, you know, we might never know the full extent of the behind the scenes activities of Aja and uh, you know his, his his company. But given how they kind of shamelessly take credit for writing the special feature, uh, you know, in the special feature interviews, like it really does appear unlikely that they're ever going to come off this. You know, this movie's only originality was a twist at the end, and I mean that—that's the one thing that keeps me from putting this on. You know, my foreign horror Mount Rushmore. I agree with that, and I think the twist is definitely what separates it from the rest because you don't often see something like this. Now, the twist is pretty controversial. Um, I know usually I take a look at the Rotten Tomatoes for these movies. Uh, the rating. So, okay, this is one that I think is interesting because the last several that we've discussed, the rating's been so like relatively close between um, critics and audiences. This one's got a pretty solid split. Critics have it as 41%, which is rotten. Audience has it at 67%. So the regular viewers are enjoying it much more than the critics. But um, you know who hated this movie and who hated the village? <laughs> who? Please tell Roger, me. Roger Ebert. That fucker. <laughs> hated <laughs> it. Um, he gave it one star. Stating the philosopher Thomas Hobbes tells us life can be poor, nasty, brutish, and short. So is this movie. He also added that the film had a plot hole that is large enough not only to drive a truck through, but in fact does have a truck driven right through it. <laughs> name names. He needs to name names on that one. What What's the plot hole? Because try as you may, you will never, ever, ever find anything that is not 100% accurate and all holes are filled. Necromance that man. Ask him. Oh, makes me so fucking mad. Get that, get, get that seance started. Yeah. Well, well, I, I was going to say something terrible. But you still can. The time, the night is young. I don't want to do it because I don't want to speak <laughs> ill of the dead. Let's just say I was going to make a joke about the first scene. Well, at least how you guys thought the first scene was. And Roger Ebert's head. And... Mm. I'll, I'll I think it. we get it. I okay, think we get thank it. you, thank you. But you know what? Before we go, we good lord, <laughs> we need the... James. You've heard worse. You've heard tons worse. Casey, you know what we need from you. What are we watching this week? We are watching. Okay, so James, I asked you if you wanted to watch another foreign movie, and that was the deciding factor here because. We are watching the 2007 version of Funny Games, which is based on a movie that is Austrian. So we are watching the American version. It is a shot-for-shot remake by the same director, so it's basically the same content, just a different language. So we are watching the version where they speak English, so maybe it's a little more enticing for you. Tell us a little more about Funny Games. Funny Games is a home invasion movie. My oh, favorite you kind. you have me. <laughs> you have me dancing in the palm of your hand. It's where you live. Um, it's got Naomi Watts and Tim Roth and Michael Pitt and Brady Corbett. Corbett? You had me Corbett. at Naomi Watts. How'd you further at Tim Roth, I bet? Oh, much further. Much further. <laughs> Being a Tarantino guy, I love some yep. Tim Roth. <laughs> so it sounds Stacey, like we've what? got... Go ahead, Rick. Oh, I, 
I was going to ask, what's the original movie called? It's also called Funny Games. What language is it in? Austrian. Oh, okay. So German. Okay. Austrian's not a language, just so y'all know. I don't know. I assume it was. It says it's an Austrian movie, so I didn't know. He speaks Austrian. Arnold. <laughs> well, I speak American because mm-hmm. I'm from America. Home of Chinese food <laughs> and the chimichanga. Looks like I better get my blunder bust out for this one. <laughs> what? Just don't don't encourage him, Rick. Don't I'm encourage not going him. To. Well, that is going to do it for this week on Slashers and Screamers. You heard Casey next week. 2007 funny games so for the godfather of droll james brown the memphis menace rick sims and final girl casey i am billy graves and we will catch you on the next one